This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Howdy, howdy, everyone. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla, and welcome to the official podcast of Project Sanctus with love and justice for all. And I am here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. How you doing? Another day in paradise. And it's nice you can say that without Barbados in your background. Oh, yeah. Okay. So another day in close to paradise. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> I, well, when you're there, you would say another day in paradise and, you know, but, environmentally but, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess the state of my inner, inner consciousness paradise, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Um, I am, I am back in the BC metro area for right now and it's, it's good to be back. This has been like my second home away from home for like, I don't know how many decades, um, lived here like on three separate occasions and uh, back to visit with some people and see the place and it's always fun i love this area i love the dc area um for all the reasons that one can love the dc area it's actually a beautiful part of of the country it is a very uh like green city um in mm-hmm. terms of of the outdoors um it's not an overwhelmingly busy or crowded city and I just love being here. So I'll be here. I'll be here for a couple of months, I think. And then off to parts unknown. After okay. That. <clears throat> Gotta love well, the nomad we'll keep life. Watch. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I did a nomad life for a long time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And then there were times I'm like, okay, I'm feeling I want to stop for a bit. And then uh, off yeah. you go. So we'll we'll keep track of where you are as best we can. Well, um, so will I. <laughs> So again, welcome to, uh, this is actually season three with Love and Justice for All, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, and especially uh, focusing on the special challenges that can arise as spiritual seekers and spiritual communities. Um, so thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to all of our subscribers um, that, that keep this train running. We don't have interns or administrative assistants. We are that, both of us. And um, we have listeners from all over the world. I, I neglected to check Podbean this morning for the countries, but we do know that uh, Singapore and Morocco and Portugal and England and Canada and India and other parts um, that are other places uh, known and unknown, I'm going to say. There so, you go. So thank you. But if you want to get in on a conversation with us, um, you can, our handle is at get our holy on. So you can go to Facebook or Instagram and 
comment and um, just be part of the conversation, ask questions, leave comments, or you can and or leave a message. We do have a phone number, 413-438-4659, which is 413-GET-HOLY. So today we're talking about how white people got made. Are we having a birds and the bees conversation? Oh. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't no, realize this know, was happening today. <laughs> I, I, you know, what's, it, what's funny and scary is that it didn't even cross my mind as when the words are out of my mouth. And even uh, yesterday when I was typing it up, I'm like, yeah. So. Yeah, it only just hit me. It only just hit me as well. You know, comedy is sometimes best done spontaneously. Um, uh, before we jump in, just always want to remind folks that we have our monthly affinity groups on first and third Wednesdays. Um, this is safe space to come and have some conversations, do some deconstructing, some decolonizing, um, a safe space to, as we do this work, we know that we're going to sometimes make mistakes. We know we're sometimes don't know what we don't know. Um, but um, it's been described by the participants as a safe space, a compassionate space to do that where no one is ever, um, you know, made a shame or ridiculed um, for it. So we do encourage you if you really are committed to doing this work um, and affinity groups are the place to really come and and hear from others in community with you who are also doing this work. Um, you can head to the website projectsangus.com to see more details around that. Our next gathering will be uh, next Wednesday. That would be May 3rd, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. Uh, before we jump into the conversation today, uh, just a quick safe home to Harry Belafonte. Um, mm -hmm. We just heard a you know, maybe an hour ago that he passed away. Um, and, you know, that man was, I mean, other than, you know, the consummate performer uh, that he was, he was also a great voice in the, in the civil rights uh, movement. Um, and, and, and did a lot of anti-racism work in his lifetime um as as well he was he was both a voice and a face of of equality and justice um and and liberation and um 96 years old and it's um yeah just the end of an era um yeah. for 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 us um in terms of his life um so yeah um rest in power safe home and thank you Thank you for all that you were. Thank you. Yeah. My mother loved him. Yeah. Him and Johnny Mathis. She Johnny loved Mathis. I remember Johnny Mathis. Yeah. She loved listening to both. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. Um, and all right. So, yeah. How white people got made other than the obvious. Other than the birds and the bees. Other than the birds and the bees. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that I mean I remember when uh, you know when you first texted me and said hey I want to talk about this topic I was like like my my first thought I'll be honest which I didn't share with you was like wait why why do we why do we have to talk about this? and and one of the you know you you know you sent me a couple of resources uh to check out and and we had some conversation and and I think you know, I'll start at the end. I'll start at the end with my takeaway, and then we'll work. We'll work towards how how we get there. Was to remember that we often talk about like race as a construct, right? And we talk about how 
like all you know like there, there's no such thing really as black people like i remember right. i remember someone once he said yeah there are no black people in africa and folks were like Wait, what what are you talking about right you know we we have people from different countries and different um um tribes and different you know so so that's how the, the differences between the people you know in a continent like africa were were for millennia um described um um and and the idea of race being created intentionally from the beginning with a hierarchical construct um put in white photo at the top black at the bottom and everyone else in between so so that's not new news but one of the things that we often don't talk about is that yes even even white people are part of that construct and more specifically there was a time when white people didn't consider themselves white whiteness was never a thing um up until recently in terms of human history and not just in human history, but it's in American history that it was created. Um, and I think there's there's not a lot of conversation around around that, or rather in terms of it's it's a thing we forget a lot, right? Because when we focus on racial, when we talk about um, racism, when we focus uh, racial based discussions and conversations. We usually talk about the oppression of what we would generally call um, the othered races, Black folk, uh, Asian folk, uh, you know, Hispanic folk, uh, um, Jewish. Or, or Jewish folk. Uh, you know, we, we, we usually talk about the folks for whom the oppression is directed, and usually it implies that it's being directed from white folk but then we also don't honestly talk a lot about how that 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 oppression is also harming white folk and they are also a created racial group as well um and how that creation in you know causes harm as well so it's yeah because we we often talk about how racism you know traumatizes everyone just in different ways right you know clearly um but i i think i mean one of the reasons i was drawn to this um was several reasons but that's one of them is that we say that but uh, i wanted to unpack it a little bit more yeah um also i have a um 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 a daily practice um, a 21 day practice thing that, that I do. And, and so that the prompt the other day was when and where, or when and why were quote unquote white people invented. Mm. And I, and I thought like, I knew I could sit and answer for myself, but then I thought, well, wait a minute, do we actually ever talk about that? Like, with, like you and I, <clears throat> right. And is it, I think and is in it, bits and pieces, but yeah. as a whole, connect the dots and is it better to say when were white people invented or when was whiteness invented or well or that's why the, the yeah the what um well the prompt that i got has the word mm -hmm. white in quotations so okay. um i think saying you know when uh when and why was whiteness or you know invented and i but if i want to bring it down to you know kind of a a humanity level um, then I say I would say white people 
Um, because it, because I like to I like to separate I like to sort of delineate like between whiteness and white people or blackness and black people because there's yeah. there's the human at the center of it all but then there's also the construct the convention right. the, the the culture yeah. that is that is separate from the individual but in many essences is also made up by the individuals right. right? But but for me, the reason why I like the delineation is that, you know, when we remove the construct, the label, the the hierarchy, when we remove all of that, we still have people. We still, yeah. we still, we still, and 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 I feel sometimes that folks have uh, as folks have conflated the two, you know, white people and whiteness, that that's where a lot of the the or black people and blackness, that's where a lot of the, um, not just personal harm, but the defensiveness comes in, especially, especially around white folk. When we speak around whiteness, you know, we're, we're speaking a lot around like the internalized understanding of what that means and the ways it's being act out. And also to acknowledge that, that, you know, you're a human being beyond that. And yeah. Um, and I think our work is to get back to our humanity beyond the label, beyond the construct, beyond the meaning, beyond the hierarchy as, as well. So it's, as we often say, it's a both and. I was just thinking the same thing. I oh, thought, yeah. uh, well, I think it's important to make the distinction, first of all, because part of, <clears throat> you know, part of um decolonizing our minds, part of, you know, for me, witnessing my own whiteness, um, working with other white people is, is also, you know, looking at our language uh, and the words that we use and how we use them and what they mean. And because I think there's a tendency to say things, you know, unconsciously, good people, but just unconscious that, you know, and to say things and phrases and is that what I really need? So understanding the, the difference between whiteness and white people. Uh, anyway, so that's, um, yeah. So let's, I, let's, I can use both. So we, we, can, we, can, we can use both. I think sometimes we need to use both and sometimes we need to not use both, like be clear mm -hmm. about who we're referring to. So let's jump in a little bit to the, to the history. And I love, uh, um, there's a quote by um, author, is he a historian? I don't think he's a historian, but just a scholar. His name is Theodore. Theodore Allen. Allen. Um, he, he wrote a lot of books, including one called The Invention of the White Race. But yep. he has this quote where he says, um, when the first Africans arrived in Virginia in 1619, there were no white people there, nor according to colonial records, would there be for another 60 years? And the word white is in quotation marks. There were clearly people who bought the Africans um, over, but they weren't white yet. So who were they? What were they? The mystery <laughs> unfolds. Yeah, they were um, Europeans and uh, people from the Caribbean island. Mostly uh, it, it was um, ethnicity, right? Rather than the they were quote British, white they people, were Scottish, they were British they were and Irish. You know. Irish. They may mm -hmm. have been some French, some Spanish. They were 
they were people. But initially, they were mostly Irish. Yeah. Uh, we hear a lot, you know, even to this day, um, there is within, you know, the, the Irish families and, you know, even in neighborhoods, right? Think about when, as cities, you know, have grown over the past 100 years or 200 years, you know, the, the neighborhoods that pop up, here's the Italians, here's the Polish, here's the Irish. And um, Irish have all, there's always been this, uh, you know, within American culture that Irish somehow are at the bottom, you know, of the bottom of the whiteness barrel. Um, I mean, even when John F. Kennedy was elected president, like, oh, my God, an Irish Roman Catholic, you know, like, holy cow, an Irish person made it to be president. Um, and, and a lot of fear also was surrounding around the allegiance to the Pope, right? Uh, he's Irish Catholic, and therefore his, yeah, the, I remember reading about this. There were, there were concerns that, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to make good decisions without checking in with the Pope first. Or if the Pope was opposed to some decision being made in American policy, he had some undue allegiance to the Pope, which I thought was ludicrous. But, you know, I, I wasn't there at the time. So I, right. I can't, I can't, I can't speak to, I can't speak to that. But that fear clearly rooted in, as you say, um, just long running bias towards Irish people as the bottom of the white, so, the white totem pole. Right, which we're gonna, well, we'll circle back to before we're done today, um, that sort of that caste system. Um, but not long after the Europeans arrived um, in North America, um, they found themselves with a whole ton of land to steal, uh, but all this land in front of them, but no labor to work it. So they decided to um, import bond labor. And that was mostly the Irish. Uh, they had not, under English law for centuries, like, quote unquote, back home, they had not been considered fully human. So, you know, it's a perfect target to, well, bring them over to the, the North America to, uh, as slave labor. Um, and and not, because... Not slave labor, indentured labor. Indentured, yes. Which is, which is different in that you work yes. for a period of time, and then at the end of that work, period you may you your your labor came to an end and you were a free person or sometimes you'd even be given like a pot a plot of land right or right. like a little severance package of some money or whatever so so they it was labor it was labor towards a point um and actually that's how a lot of folks like you know like irish and other folks that's how they got they start in america they knew they would come they would work for a period of time in some cases it was working off uh it was punishment for crime as well you know yes. rather than stick you in prison go over right. to the new the new world work for 10 15 and 20 years whatever it was. and and if you survived it right right then you'd be free so yes, my bad, not, not slave labor, indentured um, or a bond. You right. know. Um, but it turned out that there weren't enough bodies. There weren't enough mm. Irish and Irish people and Scots, Scotsmen um, to bring over. And so that's the beginnings of the Atlantic slave trade with Africa. Yeah. And what's interesting is some of those initial Africans were also under the same bond contract. So yes. it's like, um for and i don't think this this may have been a widespread situation but many of those initial african folks they worked for a period of time and then they were free because they've all for as long as they've been enslaved africans 
in the Americas. They've also been free Blacks as well. And right. some people may have wondered, well, how was that the case? And this this is one of the ways that was the case. Um, right. There were folks who, there were Africans who worked under that indentured system at the earliest times, and then they were freed, and then, you know, they had kids, and the, the succession line remain free and in some cases they were also given a piece of property at the end of their time and they were able to right. remain free for generations that's, so. yeah that, so that's when we hear the stories because i had always i had wondered for a long time um until i started digging into our you, you know american history mm-hmm. um the uh when i would hear stories of uh free black people i'm like wait but how do you how does how did that happen when right you know, uh, the system of slavery is still alive and well, and, you know, ships are still landing on the shores of America um, to, you know, of enslaved Africans. So um, I, that was just something new and, and also something else that not taught in school. So it's, you know, this. um, And if you live in Florida, it won't be. It won't be. Yeah. Yeah. Or probably Texas either. Um, Yeah. Quite a few places uh, now. Right. I know that that's a sorry squirrel moment, but I, which is another reason I want to have this conversation. So, you know, it's not happening in school. Um, Even if you're in a state where books aren't being banned or particular conversations, it's, you know, they're, they're still not, you know, we're not getting an unabridged um, education of our history. Um, But anyway, so the, you know, as time went on and, and the labor needs continue to grow and it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, that the frenzy of, you know, you start to see capitalism emerging, but that frenzy of got to have more, got to get more, um, you know, cultivate this land, get more land. Um, they didn't, um, uh, you know, there was, there was this growing, um, uh, growing group of Americans that were really because they would been in bond, right? They had been indentured and they they did their legally defined time of labor and then you know set free and they were proving just as difficult to govern um, in America as they had been in Europe. Um, so still um, rising up, still riots, still rebellion, light skinned, dark skinned, you know, free people that were, um, you know, wanting rights and wanting, you know, some equity. And so um, Virginia uh, came up with the answer that that is what we now have. And so the Virginians legislated a new class of people into existence, the whites, and they gave whites certain rights and took other rights from black people. Um, white as a language of race appears in Virginia around the 1680s, and it first appears in Virginia law in 1691. So from 1619 to 1691, when it becomes law, you know, white didn't exist. exist. Yeah. Yeah. So now in 1691, there's whiteness and to a degree as well, some blackness, but now whiteness is really, you know, born into America. There's whiteness and there's not whiteness. Right. With the focus, though, being Mm -hmm. on whiteness as the the standard by which everything else is measured. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. And then increasingly, you know, the laws being changed to maintain that standard and that power. So for example, then um, they stopped doing that indentured slash bond arrangement with Africans as well, that that came to an end. Um, what also came to an end is things like, you know, if you, uh, if you were Christian, you couldn't be enslaved and then Africans started converting to Christianity. And then they were like, uh, you know what, we're going to change the whole thing around being enslaved if you were a Christian. So, um, you know, and then even further down as we continue to sparse things out, um, and I might be jumping ahead here, but then as that, that, that state of whiteness began to involve other people that weren't initially considered white. So like when the Irish came, right, they were still considered like not white because they were Irish. (laughs) And then uh, to your point that you made earlier, as, as then it became more of a class issue. So as the poor folk, no matter what race or ethnicity they were, um, bonded together against the aristocracy then the aristocracy said okay we'll make you irish white and extend to you some privileges and but not all but not, not all. all the privileges not all the privileges including initially um voting right so right so initially it was just white landowners um the wealthy yes. white male landowners to be clear yeah aristocracy the aristocracy who could vote be sit have a seat in government make and pass laws so even if you were white in terms of you know what we would call skin color and part of that larger white group even if you were poor like you were irish or you were from a place deemed not worthy you still didn't have all the rights so then even within whiteness there was a hierarchy of segregation as well. So I want to come, I actually want to come back to the thing you said about, uh, you know, if you were Christian, you could um, um, be free. And so then um, enslavers said, well, wait a minute, Um, you know, we have to change that. And the way they, the way that that happened was to, um, to really pull on the, you know, divine right that that now we start using um, the reason that uh, so white aristocracies start saying that God has you know deemed this to be that God um, God chose um, to make blacks inferior to whites um, and that whites were inferior to the superior classes that owned property. And so it started to, to um, you know, it wasn't just about Christianity, but now we're gonna go to scripture to, to make the case for that. And where they, uh, I don't know that most people are aware of the using the story of Noah and the, and the flood. And um, so it's, uh, you know, the story of Noah is that by this divine, God says here, you know, build this ark. You know, <laughs> there's a squirrel moment. Whenever I think about Noah being told about, and this may be revealing my age, but being told about um, 
you know, building the arc. I, I, I think there's several comedians who have used to that story, you know, as a joke, like God talking to someone. And that's all I can hear in my head. I almost can't tell the story without laughing. Um, Cause it just, what I hear are the comedians <laughs> making fun of God talking to Noah. But anyway, so I told you it was a squirrel moment. It was a squirrel um, moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but then, okay. So using this, so no, God says to Noah, build this ark. There's a flood coming and they're on this ark for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, um, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and uh, Japheth, um, who would become the, they become the, the start of all humanity, according to scripture. Um, and so Noah plants, uh, when they finally, the flood subsides and they get out of the I'd, ark I'd, and they start I'd, building. Can I jump in and say, I'd like to say the reboot of humanity, because, you know, we, we already, we already had, we already had humanity in existence, well, according to the story. It's just that all, all of the rest of humanity was a massive shit show and God decided, you know what, let me reboot. Yes. And so, but wiping them all off. You know, the face of the every, earth. every everyone else and i yeah. mean just i remember being a kid i mean squirrel moment also i remember being a kid hearing the, hearing the story and the only question i had was but wait i don't understand why why do it this way wouldn't it have been simple just to start from like scratch like just to say you know what i've already invented everything from nothing let me do that again and just get rid of every why why try to save this one family and this one bunch of animals like did, did god run out of some like creative juice or energy did like was god was god <laughs> yes. too tired to go like you know i really don't want well, to start all the way over you know like you know when some people are re, re uh redoing a house they're like well you know the bones the bones of the house are still good let me just slap some new uh, sheetrock and coat of paint on top of the structure. Uh, like I just had, I've, it was really one of the beginnings of my wanderings of like, does this make, does this make little sense to anyone else but me? Well, here's the, here's the, the thing about it. It's Hebrew Testament, um, which, you know, in Judaism, you read scripture as a metaphor mm. and, and they all understand it's an allegory. So and somehow Christianity other, ain't that bright. <laughs> I well, those some in Christianity aren't that bright. Anyway, so I always wondered how. Okay, if there's just a few people, like I knew that you need men and women to make babies. So where are these people coming? <laughs> I know, like sort of like Adam and Eve are the start, and they have two sons. And I'm like, oh, well, probably incest know. wasn't always a bad thing. I guess I don't know. I, okay, another squirrel moment. That's, we may need to clip this part out. <laughs> We never clip anything. Okay. I'm not, advoca I'm not advocating and supporting it. I'm simply saying clearly, if you're going to follow things to their logical, literal conclusion as written in the Bible, that we, you know, that's, that's well, it lends to itself on. to, it lends itself actually to the, to what we're talking about today anyway, of following something to, when you follow it to a literal end, it always yes. falls apart. So yeah. Yeah, it does. So, um, so they get off the ark. Noah's planting a vineyard and drinks the wine and gets drunk and he's laying in his tent and he's naked and Ham um, uh, comes into the tent, sees his father naked and um, goes outside. 
Yes, and they cover him up. The brothers, the other two brothers come and cover him up. And um, they're actually ashamed to look at him. Um, and there's there's all this shame about seeing their father naked. And so the, the story of Ham discovering Noah, um, his father, being naked would pass down through millennia. Because Noah um, cursed so him. Because Noah, Noah yes. cursed Ham, said, cursed be you and your offspring. Yes. Because you saw me naked. Right. The lowest of slaves will be he to his brothers. So he's that's his curse. And for generations on, that's the curse. uh, Ham's um, and it was of Ham. And it was the biblical justification for enslaving Africans. Like, well, that's where I was going. Okay, Um, kind of where. Yeah, where that came from. I know it might be a little bit too much detail, but it's um, it's it. It's also how the Bible continues to be bent and stretched and um, taken literally when it's not meant literally. But anyway, so so the the three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth, all spread out across the continents. Ham goes to the south. Um, and uh, and again, this curse keeps being handed down from generations to generations um, about the lowest of slaves will be to his brothers. And so over time, um, it gets interpreted um, and uh, gets interpreted as Ham because he wrote, he goes south, right? Which now mm-hmm. over, you know, we come, now we're getting into the time of middle ages. And when you think south, you're now into the continent of Africa. And, and the old, that Hebrew Testament is being interpreted as Ham being, having black skin. And then there's this curse against him. So there's a curse against his descendants and against all humans with dark skin. And it just continues, um, it, it, that's how it, it grows over, over time through the stories. And so people in the Europeans tell themselves that, you know, that, well, Noah himself was God's emissary and condemned, you know, black folks to enslavement. Um, and so on. And so that becomes, that's their, uh, the, the reason for um, when they say God told us and God made this so, um, that's what they're using is the Noah's story. So basically, you know, you can take anything in the Bible and make it justify your position. Well, yeah, which happens in Christianity all the time. Women, you know, look in, in the Christian Testament how, you know, it's okay to have slaves and, and women are to be quiet and yeah, et cetera. So et cetera, et cetera. So whites do, uh, didn't get the vote. So as you just said, there wasn't, um, you know, whites did not get the vote unless they were property owners, meaning of land and enslaved people. Um, they were the only ones that could vote until Andrew Jackson um, became president and he was president in 1829 to 1837. Um, and, um, and that right to vote actually included um, <clears throat> some black land owners um, until states passed other laws to take those away. Yeah, they just kept getting worse and worse. It did. Or, or the exclusiveness of whiteness just kept getting more solidified, um, and those and exclusionary kept coming more of an uh, exclusive club, if you will. Um, yeah. And you know, it was it was always a moving the goalposts. You know, 
you can't be part of this group because you don't have this privilege. Oh, you got that privilege. Oh, we have to change. We have to change the rules now. Um, and it just kept happening and it just kept happening. Um, and yeah, till you get to the point where the, like the Irish or the, the, the white people at poverty level just have this little bit of inch over right. those, the uh, permanently enslaved. And, 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 and that was, and that's an important thing that was interesting that I always considered interested that's still at play to this day is, you know, that, that intersection between race and class is the idea that um, we can, we might be poor, but at least we're not black. Right. So that mindset there um, allows those um, white folk who are really, to your point, not any better off, and in some cases worse off than their black counterparts, to be content with being worse off because at least they're not black. Yeah. And and even if no one's saying it out loud these days, there's still there's still an understanding, or 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 sometimes I think how it gets translates now is. Um, the view of American exceptionalism. I may mm -hmm. be poor and I be white, but I'm an American and America is the greatest country on earth. So the narrative and the brainwashing around that is there because underneath that is still that sentiment. I could be worse off because I could be black or I could be Native American or I could be Latinx or I could be, you know, if we, if we, um, expand that that um, sort of intersection to include sexuality. Um, yes. I could be gay. I could be lesbian. I could be trans. But no, I said I'm straight and I'm white and I'm American. So in many ways, America and even you know patriotism has sort of become that new placeholder for for that um, what was originally started out as. I may be poor, but I am not black. And we right. and we and we know that that's been been the root of a lot of how um, employees um, struggle to unionize. Um, union busters use that rhetoric a whole lot by by giving just the smallest of perks to those who weren't black in order to drive a division between them. And unions work best to this day when they're able to transcend the racial stereotypes, narratives, and realize that it's not a race, it's not overtly a race issue. This is also, I mean, ra racism is at the root of it, but for the most part, um, if, if we all who are poor but of different races keep buying into that racial narrative and we keep fighting amongst each other, we're never going to be able to come together in order to, to like fight the, the true evil, which is capitalism, which now creates the, the hierarchy of classes. Um, you know, Isabel Wilkinson calls, talks about the caste system. So yeah. there's this economic caste system as well. So it requires looking past the racial differences um, because those at the top of the financial ladder, they don't, they don't care what race you are as long as you're poor and laboring. 
Uh, well, I, well. you know, you're, you're the intersection of race and classism that is so very much alive and well is when, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago with the, the, the Tennessee three, right. The two young black representatives that mm -hmm. were, um, expelled from the house in Tennessee. Well, those that did the expelling were the rich white men. Yes. Um, and, and we're coming very much. If you listen to how they talked to um, both Justins, the, um, it, it was very much a talking down, yeah. you know, a condescending, a, um, because you're black, because you're resource poor, because you're, you know, you're young, um, because, you know, pick, uh, definitely, I, as for me, as I watched the videos, I'm like, oh my God, this is, you know, race and classism. And, and this, exactly what we've just already been talking about as with every, every, the, the wealthy white people with every, the passing of each day and week and month, putting new laws into place. And then when they, um, they started paying poor white people. So this would have been early 19th century, um, start paying poor white people bounties for runaway enslaved people now you've really, you know, you're continuing to make this divide and people that had uh, turning poor white Americans into prison guards. Now you have the yeah. start of the police system we have, but now um, people that had been neighbors and allies, it wasn't that long before it that they had all been rioting and rebelling together to get equal rights. Well, now it's really it's it's better to be poor white than at least i'm not black yeah yeah and um and again that current continues to exist with american exceptionalism which really is whitest exceptionalism that allows so many people in this country to buy into the false narrative that we are the best in the world. We're not the best uh, at anything in the world except gun no. ownership. That's the only thing that we are really good at. Um, we're not good in healthcare. We're not good in edu uh, the best in education. We're not the best in so many things compared to other developed nations. And we're becoming, I think, objectively worse at it. Yeah. So, so it's, it's um, it's fascinating how the how how that you know we talk we talk about um, we talked about this before about uh, like white supremacy being this virus that adapts and and shifts in order to maintain itself and and that's that's one of the ways um, that it that it that that it does that in terms of let's let's change up the narrative to keep people believing in the substandard system that puts them in, in harm's way. Um, so for example, if we look at um, personal freedoms and we compare to other countries, um, United States ranks 24th in the world mm -hmm. in terms of personal freedom, which includes things like fairness of laws, personal safety, freedom of movement and assembly, freedom of religion, mm -hmm freedom to run for political office, freedom of press, freedom of speech. And people are like, but wait, no, we have the constitution. Well, sure, but is it being, quote, lived up to the ideal it was set up to and were the rights enabled by the constitution 
equally afforded to everyone in the country. And they never- It was never, a good theory. It was a good theory, but they never have been. If, if they were equally applied to everyone, regardless of you know gender, um, identity, uh, ethnicity, uh, race, then it might've worked, but it doesn't. And we see that now more than ever with you know this spate of, again, anti-trans, anti-drag, anti-everything laws, um, anti-education laws. Um, it is personal freedoms ironically by the party that's always crying about personal freedoms um that it's or personal freedoms are being stripped away um the anti-abortion movement like stripping away personal freedoms so we're not the best at personal uh freedom and here's the the huge hypocrisy of it is that Mm -hmm. those that are you know stripping away our rights that are climbing into my uterus and, you know, telling teachers what they can and can't teach. I mean, just on and on and on. The, the, the hypocrisy and the what's so scary about it is that this is just a replay of mm-hmm. the, what we've been talking about. That, right. it's, that it's that for them, this is God given, right? This is right. This is what God has said. And so what we've described is all of these, you know, when you know, whiteness does is does show up and is born. And now there's whiteness and blackness and enslaving people and taking like the slow devolution of humanity with every single law. And, you know, like a virus, we got to catch every mutation of it. It's exactly the same thing that's going on right now is that this is handed down from God. And this is conceived by God. And this is a divine right. And we need a, and this is Christian nationalism, which has taken over. And so, you know, the poor are poor because God said so. Or, you know, if you're a Christian, then, you know, you only marry a man, a woman only marries a man and you, you, you know, you, you know, abortion is killing and because God said so, and there's all this. And when you know our history, you can clearly see it repeated just, the players might be have a different face or yeah uh, or, but, or the or the or the language in the word in the, yeah. the the cause uh might might on service be a little bit different but it's it's the same playbook the same virus mutating um but uh still still existing um and um so so another example is that um of all like "Quote unquote developed countries, uh, U.S. has the worst the worst maternal mortality rate. More yeah. women die in from pregnancy and childbirth complications in the U.S. than any other um, developed nation. And within the U.S. itself, it's three times worse for Black women. Um, and and again, uh, when we look at uh, what it, what it means to be a peaceful society." Um, U.S. ranks, and I'm reading these from a uh, what is the the, the social you? media account so so informed. Uh, oh, so US, informed, yeah. U.S. ranks 129th out of 163 countries when it comes to peaceful societies, and when we say peaceful, factors include things like prison population, access to weapons, military expenditure, weapons export, um, all that, all that, all those are some of the things um, we spend more on healthcare per person with no better outcomes back to that. Um, and 
the you know maternal mortality rate is related to that uh, as well as an example of how you know it's so expensive i was i was talking with someone uh, a friend uh, just yesterday and they were talking about how uh they their 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 dream scenario is um to buy a house in mexico and you know right on the water and run like uh scuba and yoga classes and retreats and stuff like that they kind of done it before and that's what they really like to do but they're they're waiting till they retire um and and i was like well why are you waiting till you retire what's special about retirement and this is not a person who like works for a corporation has got like some you know vested in a 401k but but part of the narrative is that they mentioned like well currently in my job you know it's connected to my health care and i can't lose my health care and you know go to mexico now i don't know what the health care there's going to be and it's like so again this is one of these myths that are perpetuated <laughs> that keeps people in labor which is not labors in pregnancy, but in toil, in working, um, way past when they're able to, is this myth that we have the best healthcare system in the world. We we do not. We we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world. Other countries, That's what we're the best at. <laughs> yeah. Other countries have very good healthcare for a lot less. I know people yes. who will fly to South Asia to get dental work done pay yeah. out of pocket for the plane ticket for the dental work and still spend less money yes. than yeah. if they had dental insurance in the US, right? That's just an example. So so we've really got to um we've really got to when we when we find ourselves believing that we in the US are the best at anything to really take a moment to actually do some work around researching that. And then when you realize that we're not realize that that's just an extension of that exceptionalism that white exceptionalism narrative that started all the way back in the 1700s and and as a way to distinguish whiteness as the standard so yep and it's and here's the thing it's hurting everyone who yes. is not super rich yes Right. If you're super just, rich, you can afford to pay for whatever you want to pay for. But the vast majority of people in this country, regardless of ethnicity, race, gender, regardless, the vast majority of people are not super rich and are struggling, but are yep. still buying into the we're we're the best. And well, and, and we've and with Trump that eliminating the middle class, I mean, it made the gap even bigger, like the rich got richer and yes. poverty. The the rich the the rich got richer, but the number of rich also got smaller, and the poor got poor, and the number of poor got larger. Correct as as, as well. Right. So so it wasn't like it wasn't like the middle class got split down the middle, and half of them became rich, and half became no poor. no no right right right. It just right. yeah. When when we talk about eliminating the middle class, what we're really saying is like ninety five percent who were once middle class are now poor. You know? Correct. Yep. Um, and and. And this all is connected again to this to this narrative. So again, when people when people say things like, "What? Why are we always making everything about race?" Right? It's because that's where it all it honestly stems from. That, yes. and even if it's not that in overtly and obviously that in terms of of how it looks and what it sounds like, 
it's still at the root of it and it's still functioning to support that there's there's no accident that the most of the richest people in this country are white that's by design Um, and and then because there's a handful who are not then the perpetuation of the message becomes this too can be you right that american dream slash gaslight this too can be you um and in all likelihood it will not be it it never will be and if you're not white and you still make it to that elite group of people there's still going to be barriers and discriminations in place because you're never ever really going to be uh accepted um so so then again as always now that we've shared with you what the problem is what's 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 the solution to whiteness, Kelly? As our resident white expert, what's 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 the solution to whiteness? <laughs> uh, well, it, the uh, it, you know a starting point is, and we've said it before, nothing grows in a comfort zone. Right. <clears throat> so it's it's really it's hard to if if you're comfortable, you don't want things to change. And uh, so there's, we certainly have the capacity, but not the will. We, we're offering solutions, not, not more, not more uh, we're not highlighting more despair. We're, we're at solutions point. So, right. so, your so, solution, so your solution is basically saying, um, get some will. I was, I was doing a dramatic pause. <laughs> oh, sorry. I stepped, I stepped on your line. My apologies. That's okay. Um, I know we're coming, we're wrapping it up, coming to an end. So what do you do about it? Um, right. So, well, I want to say that because there isn't the will. Um, and so what do I do? One, you need to, if you're not educated on our history, you need to get educated. Um, you need to start seeing where, um, just because I'm white doesn't mean, you know, just because I'm white doesn't mean I'm not going to, um, you know, suffer uh, when when marginalized groups are targeted and wages are kept low. I also, my wages are kept low. Yes. Um, you know, when healthcare is not made available, um, you know, to to uh, black folks or or bodies of color, I'm my healthcare is restricted. It's not a. I'm not left out um, as someone who's not affluent as someone who's not, you know, aristocracy, someone who, who lives, you know, um, not in poverty, but paycheck to paycheck, um, that these things that when, you know, seeking to, to um, anti-trans bills, anti-LGBTQ, it, when you understand that you're um, cutting particular groups out of having particular rights, they're going to be taken from me as well even though I'm not a trans person, because what I'm, what we're creating is this culture of, um, you know, we're continuing classism and sexism. And so I will pay a price. Yes. Um, and you, so, and here's the thing, you may not pay the price overtly right off the bat, but you will pay the price eventually. Yeah. So um, you got to stop thinking so short term. This doesn't, yes. this doesn't hurt me now. So right. therefore I don't really need to do anything about it. Right. 
So it's um, so one thing is uh, one having to get educated. And I know that that, you know, people are tired of hearing that. And it's the only way that not the only way, one big way that you can see how me as a white body, I'm impacted um, not just a little bit, but a lot by racism and um, and classism and all its iterations is to to start learning how the dots are connected and to stop thinking that I'm there is no such well start thinking there's no such thing as whiteness, you know, and and that race really is that construct. And the irony of that is we have to use the language in order to explain it's a construct. It's made up. Right. The other, the other uh, is come to an affinity group. It's you can take as many classes and education as you want, but get your ass into an affinity group where you can have the conversations and have you know bodies of culture meet, white bodies meet, and in a group I can say for white bodies we're gonna call each other on. Oh, you know what? There, that's a. That's a, a very white thing. And it's gonna be uncomfortable and it's gonna expand your mind and it's gonna, um, you know, more healing than you could possibly imagine is gonna go on. Um, but I, but you know, this is and, my plea to be, to get your ass into an affinity group. And part of why it's important to be aware of how whiteness is hurting you as a white person <laughs> is that, is that it just might inspire you to go i need to vote differently or i need to uh speak i need to 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 protest not necessarily protest but i need to not settle for the changes of laws and policies that are going to cause me more harm and they may not look like they're going to cause you most more harm off the bat but just go under the assumption that if there is a law or or uh, you know some some process that's being put into play that is restricting any one group of people that you are not a part of you are also going to be harmed by it yeah. um um maybe on friday um uh, when we do a news thing we'll spend some time or maybe we need a whole new episode to spend some time looking at the budget that the Republican House is trying to propose, right? I actually had that in our our list of articles uh, for last Friday, but, but we didn't. You know, we, we didn't, had too many. We didn't get to it. Well, maybe we'll get yeah. to it because I mean, fortunately, it probably has no chance of passing in the Senate. And right. um, however, it's the same old playbook that let's change the laws in order or or you know budgetary proposals that will make things easier for the rich to become richer and harder for the poor to survive. It's like the same, right. it's, it's, it's remarkable how much of the same playbook it is. And they are, again, I, I use big quotation quotes around well-meaning white Republicans, right? Who, again, big quotation quotes, aren't overtly racist or even subtly racist, but who tend to vote Republican because that's just who they are who will say, like, I am not on welfare, so these changes to welfare laws won't affect right. me. The changes right. to, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta prove even more. What is it? There's like some sort of like work, work, proof of work uh, attachment to welfare now that they're trying to propose. 
So that doesn't affect me. And I see nothing wrong with that. But again, what we're doing is that's a law that is going to create more burden on the financial safety net. And if you don't think that's going to affect you, it is because who do you think is going to end up paying for that more in either their taxes or or uh, as your local uh, town becomes under more strain, who's going to end up paying for that? That's going to be you. So right. so this, this is, again, that continual evolution of the white exceptionalism is just going by a different name now. Uh, yep. So it's an it's another mutation of the virus. And, exactly. Uh, so you, so you've got to you got to do like you said, educate yourself as to how the it, how the new face, the new faces and mutations of white exceptionalism are doing so much harm to white bodies as well. Because I think if white bodies really understood that, I'd like to think that they'd be in more action to oppose it. But then what would likely happen is, again, maybe some perks will be thrown their way um, to silence their rhetoric. And yes. we, we're stuck here again, because that's that's always been the the evolution of this, right? So well, that's what Kevin McCarthy did. He just threw some perks. Exactly. <laughs> and, and a great example of this, a great example is we're seeing now, um, and we can wrap up on this, enough, another news item <laughs> is the expansion of the Florida's so-called don't say gay bill, yeah. right? Initially, it was like kindergarten through third grade, we can't uh, teach or talk about, um, you know, uh, sexual identity and stuff like that. And a lot of folks who were considered themselves that they're not anti-LGBTQ, like, okay, that kind of makes sense because they're young, impressionable children. They're K through uh, third grade and, and um, maybe we as parents don't want to have that conversation around sex yet because it's uncomfortable and therefore that kind of makes sense. We can get behind that. Well, look what happened now. That's been expanded all the way through 12th grade. So basically what we're saying is in schools in Florida, up to the age of 18, adulthood, way past when teenagers are having sex, way past when teenagers yeah. um, have um, come into the realization of their identity as yep as being gay or queer or trans or, or asexual, whatever, way past all of that time, um, they can't have discussions around it. And they can't have the discussions at home for some of them because their parents are what their parents are. It's not safe to have them at home. It's now not safe to have them at school. Uh, yeah, where else is left? And also, there's nothing that will get kids quicker to learn about something to tell them they can't talk about it. So in a way, in a twisted way, maybe Ron Santis, DeSantis really is an LGBTQ advocate, right? Ooh, I love, yeah. Think, think about that. start saying that. You know, let's you know, start spreading that. You don't want kids to talk about something, <laughs> tell them that they can't talk about it. Right, <laughs> Wait, right, so, right, right. So, so yeah, so again, this is, and, and this is again, the effort to control and contain and- yes. It's 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 insidious. So now, I have one last mm -hmm. thing. I have one yes. last thing to say about what what someone can do. And I brought this up in the last our last white affinity group. Okay. So one of the things I have learned that has to be part of my practice and is that 
it's black liberation. Like my my work has to be around liberating, um, around black liberation because it touches on every element of my life, economics, social values, caring for each other, environmental justice, um, availability of food, quality of food, quality of education. I mean, it touches every area of life. Black liber if that's where my work is, is in black liberation, um, then there's then I have some hope. Um, and so it's you because, know so because there's the thing in black liberation is your liberation. Correct. Yes. I thought that was an obvious. I needed to add that on to the sentence. I, I, I know. Sometimes I we gotta you. state the obvious. I got it. I got because it. Because of yes. all the things we said before. Yes, when everything we is, said for the last hour. Yes. When there's black liberation. <laughs> When there's yes. queer liberation, when there's liberation for all the people, but especially, especially in black liberation, because it basically takes all the boxes. Um, so here's the one thing that so so to move in that direction, this is one of many things that as a white body I can do when I'm on social media and I'm looking at, you know, what's being posted Am I, you know, there's this huge tendency for, for white folks to, they look at, at um, you know, a black person who's very involved in racial justice and say it's Isabel Wilkerson or Ibram Kendi or, you know, um, whomever, pick, pick someone and they're very vocal and, you know, white folks will go in and they'll comment or they'll click the like button and I'm like, stop, like, stop doing that, go and make a post that says, this is how I witness my whiteness today, right? And, and start putting your patterns of whiteness out into the world. Start putting out into the world how you are participating in Black liberation because it means your liberation. You know, more often than not, what's the, the whiteness that's underneath that, you know, clicking the little heart on Instagram or the thumbs up on Facebook is being, you know, if you know that I like what you posted, you know, then, you know, you'll know I'm behind you, which really is coming from an energy of savior, the white savior. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And it's not going to be comfortable, which means it's the right thing to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And in, indeed, indeed. Um, so for for more for more um, hints, follow follow us for more hints on how you as white bodies can be invested in black liberation. Um, join us, join our work um, and start where Kelly was saying, but, but there's so much more to do as well. Yeah. And remember, you're not doing this for black folk. <laughs> this is not a, this is not a, you being the white savior. This yeah. is about us having liberation for everyone, including you. In case you didn't know, you're being oppressed as well. Uh, don't use that as a rallying cry. That would not be okay. No. <laughs> to go like, I'm white and I'm <laughs> oppressed. No, just, please don't do that. But realizing that, that you are also in harm's way, even if it doesn't look like you are, and our collective liberation can only come when the work is being done towards the liberation of those who are being overtly oppressed. So, yeah, I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, thank you all for listening. As you always do, please spread the word about with love and justice for all to your friends who want to 
who you know might just be, you know, the quiet listening type um, and don't want and are very uncomfortable with speaking out loud, hopefully passes on to them and let them know that uh, their help, their, it's not that their help is needed. It is that their work is required in order to really, really shift um, this this insidious virus. The you we we are we are the antibiotic. No, antibiotic. We're the antiviral. Antiviral is what I'm going for. We are the antiviral to the to the virus of whiteness. There we go. That'll be the quote. I think are you going to go make a meme now? <laughs> I think I hit a mental wall right there. Um, uh, so so share the podcast. Let them know they can find us on all the podcast platforms and online at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. Visit projectsanctus.com to see the opportunities that we have for you and also to make a donation to help support us in our work and keep us going. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on it.